Hi, my name is Nick Thompson and I run holisticvet.co.uk. We're based near Bath in England. I'm Dr. Brendan Clark. I'm based at Towerwood Vets in West Yorkshire. And my name's Dr. Connor Brady, the non-vet of the gang from dogsbirth.ie. And together we are Raw Pet Medics. <laughs> We're live. We are live. Good evening. <laughs> there you are. Hello, guys. What's happening? Hey, guys. Uh, so, did we we caught him browsing something else because yeah. he was that interested in what we're going to talk about tonight? Thanks, Connor. Reading about, reading about AI. Well, just been reading about absolutely nothing else for the last three weeks. But bloody hell, Ooh. just had the last hour, hour and a half of it. As I said, I've got hay fever today. I haven't had hay fever since I was a kid. Uh, so, well, not since I was a kid. It comes now and again, very rarely, but I can feel it in my eyes now and I'm itching. Try uh, homeopathic euphrasia. It's euphrasia. euphrasia. Uh, bright eye. Is, is, bright is, is, I mean, there are many remedies. You have to look it up, but that, that's, that's quite a nice one if, you, if it's mainly in your eyes. I've, Lovely. I've been looking at the AI thing as well. Uh, good evening, everybody, by the way. We are going to be talking about vitamin E. We've yeah. got a few things to get off our chest first. We're doing it, this is a pre-record, so it's actually the middle of Monday afternoon. <laughs> so it's a bit weird to be to be doing it, isn't it? Doesn't it feel different, doing it live and doing it pre-record? It does. Um, yeah, but Rach Mack, thanks for being there. I know you're on this live. <laughs> yeah, I, can yeah, yeah. I can sense her. I can sense her listening. Um, she's probably she's probably walking her dogs going. I think RPM are on. <laughs> why do I why, why do I feel RPM are on? Um, uh, guys, what, uh, what was I've forgotten the name of the homeopathic yet? Euphrasia, E U P H. Yeah, Euphrasia. So as, as regards the AI thing, the best thing that I've come across is a guy called Mo Gaudat and Connor. You put me onto this guy, and yeah. he's he is all over the internet yeah. at the moment. But the, a really fantastic interview was with Stephen Barrett. Diary of a CEO. Do you know Diary of a CEO? That guy yeah. is yeah. amazing. Anyway, so you've got yeah, these two super bright guys in a room having a chat about AI. And it comes down to kind of a, a, a the, the conclusion, I don't want to ruin it for you, but it's coming, whether we like it or not. It yeah. is possible it's yeah. going to turn into a Terminator type scenario. That is a possibility. But his conclusion is that we need to be good parents, just as you raise your kids to be polite and know right from wrong and you know, do all the right stuff. And there's, there's a lot more good people in the world than bad people. So we may well be able to educate AI to do more good than harm. That was the, yeah. the, the, the sum total. What's, what's your findings, Connor? So I'm trying to find, I'm trying to do the positive thing, you know, I'm trying to find more positive stuff because if you go to the negative stuff, YouTube will just keep on giving you, you're doomed, you're doomed. Uh, I think Mo Gallet was kind of like, he was saying that there's only a tiny window where it might want to kill us. And then after that, it'll just be, he goes, he'd be like looking, us looking at a tree or an ant and wanting to kill it. We wouldn't want to kill it. But if we wanted to build a data center, we wouldn't ask the trees if we could build it. We would just build it and they would be inconsequential because they, something when it's a billion times smarter, he goes, you can't fathom something being three times smarter than a human, but a billion times. He said for every square, it, got, it shrinks by a factor of a thousand. So, you know, the, the, the AI of what it's using now and then going down to, uh, what's the next stage of computer? Not quantum. Nano, quantum computing. Quantum computers. 
it's a thousand times smaller. He says that's not, not just a thousand times on the x-axis, it's a thousand times on the y-axis and on the z-axis, the cube. So he said that means you can, uh, you, you can get yourself like a billion times smarter and then that computer will rapidly design how to do it tighter than that. So it'll most likely be within years, a few years, like within five years, it'll be a billion billion, which is, I assume, wow. uh, not near a trillion. Wow. So he says like it'll be so incredibly smart that processing power won't be an issue. So people, how do we move at the speed of light? Well, here's the answer. Here's how you would do wow. it. Because you wouldn't be moving us at the speed of light. You'd be moving machines because yeah. we can't take yeah. it. So, uh, but I was all this very interesting stuff, but he just said like, you know, get with it because it's happening. And really the only question is, are they going to be good gods or, you know, why would they be bad to you? Like, you know, they're just, you're just in the Atendal And he says, you're, and he says we're extinct as well. Humans are extinct. He says, there's no need for us. And it's, but we will struggle to accept that. But like, any more than a cow or a fish does. I mean, it's, I mean, Neanderthals went extinct because they just weren't as smart as us. And that's it. As soon as you get smarter, that's it. You become the dominant species. And I thought, ooh, anyway, guys, happy <laughs> Tuesday. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't be burdening you with my stuff I was reading over the weekend. Um, but uh, anyway, sorry, I brought us into that. Um, guys, we are uh, Raw Pet Medics. You'll find us on patreon.com forward slash Raw Pet Medics. Uh, you'll catch us over there. We do a little bit on the side at the end of each show. And we post a few bits and pieces and we get your questions at FAQ uh, at the end of each month. But listen, if you can, it's great. It costs you the price of a cup of tea or coffee each month. We really appreciate it. If you can, if you can't, not to worry. But tonight we are talking about vitamin E. Ryan, are you going to t- tell us a little bit about the, the uh, what is vitamin E? and or I'm going no, to say, don't forget the podcast. You can find this episode oh, yes. on YouTube and on... Uh, all the oh, Acast oh, and yeah, all that. Apple but and... you can you can find the the podcast so you can take us with you when you walk the dogs as well. So that's right, spot on. So who's going to start us off? Vitamin E, guys. Who? Well, so I, I'll do the very basics. Shall I give Go the basics it. of um, vitamin E? Okay, vitamin E, fat soluble vitamin, and it's fat soluble. I'm going to show a little picture here. Um, in fact, what I'm going to do just whilst I do this is I'm going to hide these lads uh, because you know superfluous at this point in time uh but we can still hear them yeah. <laughs> um so, <laughs> so uh we got tocopherols and uh trienols which are um tocotrienols sorry which are um both there are four of each which are classed as vitamin e's um so most of us will think of alpha tocopherol um as being the supplement that we will see in the stores mostly um, usually in the region of 100 IE uh, I, um, international units, or um, I think they go up to 400 international units um, and, and that sort of area. That can range in milligrams. Um, it works out about a third less um, as the number of, uh, and that's how to work out the milligrams. So take off a third, so 100 IU will be something in the region of um 66 um uh, yeah. milligrams there are rats so uh that gives you some basics so because of the carbon structure and those lovely alcohol rings this is a lipophilic so it's um taken into fats very easily uh can work very well on the uh, walls of your cells to try and reduce the oxidation um damage that can occur uh, really useful for helping our DHA, EPA sort of uptakes uh, as well. Um, uh, taken up in the same sort of um, lipophilic 
ways through the intestinal wall. Um, lots of discussion uh, just before we came on, even about the benefits of the different forms, different isomers of vitamin E, um, and those isomers, uh, which are, you know will be these different, slight different structures, and the tocotrienols are the ones with the extra three double bonds, so the covalent bonds within them. Uh, Nick. I think I'm going to leave the next yeah. bit to you because you had some interesting information with regards to um, why that structure might be yeah, useful. Yeah. Okay, so uh, when you look at the structure of vitamin E, and there are over 120 different isomers, okay, and, and uh, most of the supplements will contain tops, 10 or 15 of those, okay? So... We, I have to say, we are slightly unsure as to what to recommend, but I've been um, doing some research. There's a, a fantastic researcher called Barry Tan, B-A-R-R-I-E Tan. And he's, he's if you put Barry Tan uh, into um, YouTube, you, there's lots of, lots, he's done lots of interviews. And he's kind of the god of uh, vitamin E. And he says that if we compare tocopherols, that's the one that we all know about, and the trienols, which is this one that he discovered in the mid-90s, he says that he thinks that the uh, the tocotrienols are more compact than the tocopherols. If you imagine a, a balloon uh, blown up with a piece of string and and there's a, a weight, a small weight at the bottom of it. That's kind of what, and it's floating in the sea. That's what the uh, the tocopherols and tocotrienols look like. Okay, they sit in the in the fatty membrane, and they they kind of wander about. But because the tocotrienols are more compact, they're able to actually move around much more effectively so he considers it that they are a much more effective antioxidant that's the big thing about um vitamin e it's an antioxidant it's a stabilizer you leave a bit of butter out in the in the sun for a couple of hours you come back you can smell that it's gone off that is oxidation and aging is an oxidation process as well but what he does what he says is that um one in 10,000 oxygen molecules, and let's face it, when you take a breath, you're taking in billions of molecules of oxygen. One in 10,000 goes rogue and becomes a free radical. Okay, And free radicals are really reactive and really damaging. And so what the body has very cleverly done is it puts these these uh, these balloons, these markers, which float about within this a slightly dynamic uh, uh, bilayer uh, uh, protecting every cell in the body, 38 trillion cells in your body, and they've all got this. So it's a really important one. And the body uses vitamin E to scavenge the bad guys so as to not damage, because he describes it, the cell, as a gated community. Nutrients have got to come in and uh, waste products have got to go out and that has to be very carefully regulated and so they're basically the, the, the policemen of the cell wall which is really 
fascinating. And so I'm going to do a bit more work with the trienol story, but it sounds to me like the trienols are safer and more effective. But this is work in progress, so I'm not going to say too much at this stage. Um, Connor, what have you got? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I'd be so surprised if um, if each one of those bits you mentioned, over 100, I'm shocked. I thought it was like uh, 30 and they had about half the molecule. I think what I took from that was that it, they're only producing a very small fraction of what vitamin E is, this incredibly complicated, you know, uh, all these different bits and pieces to it. And so they pick the bits that they can replicate in the lab and they promote those. They study them very well and they find out what they do and they promote those as really important. So when you look at um, so you want mixed tocopherols and tocotrienols in your supplement because assuming the, the more of that molecule you have, this amazing antioxidant, the better. And so it'll say of the tocotrienols, we have this four subgroups, alpha, beta, gamma, whatever. We've got two of the subgroups and that's the who seems to be the most popular one on Amazon at the moment, just as a quick guide. As, you know. uh, and so when people, when they have a look and see, well, how important is like vitamin E? You can only imagine if it's that important, we need a good bit in our diet. And the best source is food. And it won't surprise anyone listening that real vitamin E, actually, when you supplement with a supplement of vitamin E, that's actually quite well absorbed by the body. The body does not like mineral supplements ever. It doesn't like any of the crappy calcium and zinc oxide, magnesium, no matter how well you try to do it. But vitamins, some of them are taken in extremely well to the point of uh, danger to the body, actually. You can over-supplement with vitamin D. It can lay you out. With vitamin E, that's one you don't absorb very well. So the food source is, is way more potent. And because you're just after highlighting it has all the extra bits, it's probably way more beneficial. Anyway, here we are with this vitamin E supplement. But when they look at uh, the vitamin E supplements as we have them, it's not a very, uh, it's not a good report card. Um, overall, this, this is an enormous study, okay? Uh, the title was, I just I left the title out because it was horrible, but this is what it was. It was a comprehensive review of 53 RCTs, randomized controlled trials. So they're the top level studies that we have where you, you have two groups and you mix and match them. You don't know who's who and one gets a placebo, one gets vitamin E uh, with low risk of bias, including almost a quarter of a million participants. And what they found from dosing these people over 12 years, a vitamin E in a dose slightly above the RDA versus placebo, which was 44 studies and 170,000 people, significantly increased mortality. And I was like, what? I had to read that number of times. You're more likely to die if you take vitamin E supplements slightly more than the RDA. Why is that? That is very strange. Different absorb absorption ability, the fact you're just putting in one part of the molecule, who knows? The body doesn't seem to like it. And a colossal study by the US Preventative Task Force combined every single study citing the benefits or lack thereof of vitamin and mineral supplements. This is just as a whole vitamin and mineral supplements. It included 450,000 Americans found that with the sole exception of reported uh, lower incidence of two cancers in men, taking a multivitamin or multimineral offered no consistent evidence of benefit for heart disease, cancer, or longevity. In fact, often showed the opposite. And I was like, bloody hell, that was, that's a huge, they're huge figures. But for vitamin E, it, it, it was one of the poorest. It was like, if you don't take the right dose of vitamin E in the supplements we have at the moment, they are actually counterproductive. And I thought, wow. So it's not just as simple as take as many of the specific part of the antioxidant that they found. Uh, so it pushes you more towards, ooh, is my dog getting enough from his diet or what's going on? What do you think, Brent? Do you not find, do you not find that that is the situation we have with some of these studies 
where they may have taken the alpha tocopherol and assumed that that is the archetype vitamin E, yes. Tested, tested just that within that paper. Yeah. And then they come up with an inconclusive. There was a huge list on one of the doctor's websites for um, we have looked at studies to do with vitamin E and it's shown not to be effective in and then just listed off a whole raft of things that you would associate, you know, something that's going to reduce oxidation of cells, that's going to reduce inflammation, that's going to help the uptake of uh, and use of fatty acids. Um, and then you think, is that because they've used it in isolation? Sure. It's not being put yeah. in with, with selenium. It's not being used alongside, um, you exactly. know, the DHAs, EPAs. Um, or, or is it that actually they've just chosen the wrong isomer, totally. that they've created an artificial vitamin E uh, and then yeah. tested that. Surely, and surely is. They come up with this, this, uh, this picture. Yeah, surely that is. Guys, when, when, they, when they ask Barry Tan, what supplements do you take, which is a really good question to the world-leading expert on, on vitamin E, he says he takes a mixed uh, mineral and vitamin without tocopherols he takes about 100 milligrams of trienol vitamin E. He takes fish oils, and and that's essentially the top three things that he takes. So that's pretty interesting. He doesn't take tocopherols. Whoa! Yeah, that's mad. And and it's really interesting because uh, yeah, again, we're talking about supplementing here. You know, minimum levels are easily exceeded in most pet foods, you know, in raw foods, just because it's going to naturally be in the tissues, um, in the artificial foods where they're actually putting in them as an antioxidant anyway. So you're easily going to exceed the minimum levels of, you know, basically I think it's around about four to five uh, units per 100 grams dry matter. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, ridiculously low. There's very little um, found on um, insufficiencies. I mean, one of the names around it was uh, the tocopherols was all about the fact that it was about fertility. Um, uh, yeah, that vitamin for fertility. And it's, you know, then going on to looking at its in, uh, benefits for brain and, and other tissues of the body and its antioxidant levels. But we're, what we're finding um, is that there's not really an excess level that's been discussed. You know, there's not a where do you go with the excesses? Oh, yeah, that's interesting. You know, is it because with a lot of the other fat soluble vitamins, because they're fat soluble and not easily got rid of, we would find that there'd be lots of be issues. I think there's a lot of re recycling of vitamin E uh, within the system. Um, I think there it's this really interesting point of. At what point is the natural foods going to give us that different approach with all the trienols, the topotrienols yeah. and things like that in there versus an artificial supplement? And then it's really interesting, you know, Nick, you're talking about his approach to supplementing, you know, and taking those topotrienols uh, rather than the tocopherols. Yeah, that's... Um, I think I have seen patients that improve with the tocopherols um you know to help with their skin if issues um i've tried it myself uh, where we've been using dhas epas and only got so far with skin improvement and then brought in vitamin e 
alongside that and seen a massive mm. jump further in their health, <clears throat> um, giving them, you know, typically uh, the uh, 100 um, international unit at least um, supplement into mm. their food for a 10 kilo dog. Um, and, you know, sort of like, you know, being cautious, but um, not really seeing that there's been any ill side effects and certainly non reported. Um, but it would be interesting to see if actually we can improve even quicker or e even more by actually using some of the tocotrienols instead. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, have you found a specific I supplement? No, I've, uh, I will, I'll have a look and I'll post it up into Patreon. Yeah, no problem. Uh, the, um, the, okay. Regarding the fat soluble vitamins A, D, E, K. and K, yeah. they're the fat they're the fat soluble fellas. In other words, if you take too much of them, the body holds onto them and it can poison you. Whereas the water soluble vitamins, your body's more keen to pass them out, more able. And so, um, it's very important that we don't have a maximum, particularly in light of the fact that if you just go over your your slight recommended dose in humans, it doesn't look great. And so, what is the maximum? Uh, in regards to like deficiencies, there's not a, like when you look at the deficiencies that dogs are most common uh, in, it's always things like zinc and B vitamins and all sorts of stuff that we know is terribly absorbed or plummets very quickly. Uh, but vitamin E pa uh, passes out of the food very quickly. Um, authors stored a variety of dry dog foods for 12 months in warm temperatures. They noted that dogs would opt for the dry foods preserved with BHA, which is a nasty uh, preservative, although the food industry might disagree, but they're trying to get it out of the food industry, so that's all you need to know. They would choose products uh, preserved with BHA rather than those produced with mixed tocopherols. So what natural pet foods will say is, we don't use BHA, BHT. And it's like, well, how else do you preserve your dry pet food in the warm, sweaty holds of a cargo ship and ship from wherever it goes to sit in a horrible pet shop? Because it was, as soon as the fats go rancid, the dog smells the rancid fats and they don't eat it. So they'd rather eat chemically preserved fat, which BHA and BHT are brilliant at, unfortunately, to give you cancer down the line. But, um, but the dogs avoid the rancid fat in favour of those. So what is a natural preservative? And will these companies, knowing vitamin E is not great, use lots of it to preserve, which, has ha which no doubt happens. There's two, or three, um, there's two or three diseases that you guys uh, treat all the time. One is pancreatitis. So as the, as the, as the fat rises in the in the dog you know with pancreatitis you feed too much usually carbohydrates if it's nutritionally caused you feed lots of carbs you don't burn your fat fat builds in the blood uh and so vitamin e is called upon to sort and to sort and deal with all the fat as nick was saying so what happens is that with dogs with pancreatitis they're very prone to a vitamin e deficiency and that drives inflammation um but so it, with dogs with pancreatitis it's one thing to check is that you may be low in vitamin e so a small little supplement of vitamin e we can get to what we might use food wise in a minute but uh so um that was uh oh here's another one in dry pet food storage um of six months reduces vitamin e by 30 percent. that was interesting yeah. so anyway that was the pancreatitis but here's a study of uh look at the last this last one canine ectopic dermatitis 29 dogs with canine ectopic dermatitis 15 given vitamin E, 14 given a placebo, and the ones given the uh, vitamin E had significantly improved canine atopic dermatitis extent and severity index scores Brilliant. just by giving them vitamin E. So uh, there's definitely also higher plasma levels of vitamin E were observed and higher total antioxidant capacity just by giving a little bit of vitamin E to dogs with canine atopic dermatitis uh, and retinal, retinal stuff. There's a few studies in dogs that are very um, hunting dogs with retinal degeneration and uh, they're just being fed table scraps and no vitamin E. And so there is some diseases from a deficiency of it. So in, like, it's just hard to know how many dogs 
you know, it's, it's tough. But, uh, How much are those diseases of inflammation, like pansteatitis, that actually benefit from increased levels? They're not truly because of a deficiency, though. And that's the thing, because, you know, if you look at what deficiency should bring, you know, with the infertility, with the um, sort of mental sluggishness, the, the skin um, diseases, I wouldn't say that they're necessarily always obviously going to be primarily because of vitamin E um, deficiency. I think there's a lot of inflammatory process goes on, which predispos- predisposes you to those diseases. And actually supplementing with vitamin E improves the situation rather than it being truly a deficiency. Yeah. So your recommended daily allowance or um, daily requirement actually increases rather than actually you becoming yeah. deficient. When, when we talked to uh, Barry Tan, he says that he will use it for inflammatory disease, which is basically every modern disease. He will use it in for Alzheimer's and uh, uh, cognitive uh, problems, and he is looking at it from a cancer perspective. Because if you think of it, if thirty-eight trillion cells, they need a lot of support, and if every cell in the body needs protection, uh, any disruption to that, if you've got a lot of inflammation anywhere in the body, it's going to um, utilize a lot of your vitamin E or your hyenols or tocopherols. And that's maybe why you, you need that extra, as Bren was saying. So this it's a fascinating area. And I'm going to be using it a lot more from now on. So this has been a very useful session for me. I was also thinking, because we talked about vitamin C, mm. you know, a couple of months back. You know, we've done we've done these and some of the benefits and antioxidant effects and the anti-cancer, et cetera. But the more I look into these individual things, they all have a role to play at various different levels. And actually having a better mix is always a better option than just going, do you know what? I've heard RPM talking about vitamin E. I'm going to go out there and just supplement vitamin E. I think you need to start looking at how your whole nutrition for your pet is coming in to... Yeah, giving a little bit of everything at different points, you know, peaks and troughs, going through all of those so that we're actually getting benefits. And we need to talk also in this session a little bit about the foods that deliver some great levels of vitamin E um, as well to your pets. Uh, This must be your bread and butter. You you know the foods that are going to deliver good levels of vitamin E. In relation to what you're saying there, um, Rita, Rita Hogan there is a, is a, is a canine herbalist of some renowned in the US and she always goes mad about, um, not mad, but, you know, the, the extracts, say, of milk thistle, silymarin, silymarin is one of the cool compounds in milk thistle, but she says it's one of hundreds, it, it could have any untold number of com- uh, complexities going on. And we find one in the lab that does something to a certain mouse for a certain amount of time. And we say, that's the magic thing about milk thistle, but it's a whole complicated structure. And so, yeah, food sources is surely the way to go. Here's the, the, the dose, what they recommend for uh, keeping it in America, because uh, the AFCO comes from America, who govern dogs. Uh, uh, Americans are recommended to take 22 international units of vitamin E per day whatever that is, they actually say tocopherols. 
you say 22 international units of tocopherols. Let's just say vitamin E for the sake of the conversation. That's 15 milligrams of vitamin E. That's where humans are. AFCO say for dogs who, uh, okay, uh, should be taking 50 international units of vitamin E per day. Now that's an average dog. You've got big dogs and small ones and whatever. We're just going with some ballpark figures. So dogs should be taking twice. So that, that's a 10 kilo dog, isn't it? Uh, I don't know what the average is. Probably, what, I don't know. Yeah, let's say 10 kilos. Why would a 10 kilo animal need, you know, double the amount of vitamin E than a 65 kilo largely plant eater, you know, plant and meat eater? And here's a carnivore. So when you look at the food sources of vitamin E, it's hard for meat eaters to find a lot of vitamin E. It's easy for us because the, the food sources of vitamin E are invariably things like seeds. Seeds are the best, okay? Seafood and seeds are great sources of vitamin E. Um, so for example, Pumpkin seeds or sunflower seeds. Everyone says sunflower seeds, but you could go pumpkin seeds either. It doesn't matter. They give you 35 milligrams of tocopherols per 100 grams. Now, that's eight tablespoons of, uh, of... So you wouldn't want to be trying to top up your dogs. If he needs 35 milligrams of 10 kg dog, you wouldn't want to give him eight tablespoons of pumpkin seeds, the poor thing. But that is what AFCO is saying dogs need every day. Um, actually, an even better source of vitamin E, if you were going after vitamin E for source for your dogs, you would use hemp seeds. Hemp seeds are 55 milligrams. They're the highest. 55 milligrams of vitamin E per 100 grams, which is about um, uh, 70 international units. So that's quite a lot, just in two tablespoons. So hemp seeds are very, very effective. Uh, but it's a hard way to feed too many of them to your dogs. You can use hemp seed oil, but there's only so much uh, hemp seed oil you want to give to your dog. But when you compare these figures, these figures of 35 and 55 milligrams per 100 grams or 100 to 150 milligrams of vitamin E per 100 grams of hemp seed oil, which is a huge dose of vitamin E. Um, when you compare that to meat, 100 grams of grass-fed steak contains one milligram of vitamin E and dogs need 33 of them, three kilos of meat. Uh, the uh, sardines or rabbit is only two milligrams per 100 grams of meat. So that's uh, a bigger, in, that's a, you know, an intake of, of, of a fair whack of sardines and rabbit to meet your minimum kind of standards. But chicken is one of the highest. Now, that's probably intensively reared chicken because of what chicken's fed. Chicken is reared on wheat and corn and stuff like that, and that would have more vitamin E in it. So this meat is naturally higher in omega-6 and vitamin E because it's intensively reared. So intensively reared poultry does contain quite a lot of vitamin E. So you'd only need to eat 300 grams of chicken to get your vitamin E. But if your dog was just fed on beef or just fed on lamb or sardines or rabbit, you wouldn't get close to the AFCO nutrient profile of, of how much vitamin E a dog needs. So it does come down to the question of, is the AFCO nutrient profile correct? Mm. Because that dose seems extremely high. In fact, only one prey animal comes close. No prey animals, mice, lizards, Rats, frogs, all way too low in vitamin E. Great study there. If anybody wants it, I've got all the prey animals, the nutrient content of prey. They just got the mouse and stuck them in a food processor and just analyzed Oof. the nutrient content. Um, so it turns out that the AFCO profile seems extremely high and it'd be hard for a dog to do it without adding in. So when formulators are making pet food, they have this big vitamin E deficiency because of what AFCO who are used to dealing with dry pet foods and the horrible crap vitamin E they put in there, which isn't absorbed as well as natural vitamin E. In fact, farm animals and humans can absorb twice the amount of vitamin E from natural food sources than they can from tocopherols. So I think that the AFCO nutrient profile is way too high. And 
people put, it makes people put in slightly stranger ingredients like you would put in hemp seeds you know you put in ground up hemp seeds fabulously nutritious but you know just I did, it wasn't my plan when I was making the raw dog food but I had to do that to keep somebody happy you know so that's the tricky bit the, th- the thing is I think I'd, I'd like to after you. also yeah. just come in on that because on the um, some of where they get the um, the actual reports to put into your um, formulator that nutritional data is not correct they are not up to speed with what the levels of certain vitamins and nutrients are within those products. You know, having tested um, other foods, looking, you know, for the companies that I've worked with, there are definite, you know, deficiencies that are reported on the formulators, but when you come to look at the end product, they aren't there, you know, so... Interesting. So I think there's two things that you've got to look at. One is the fact, again, you're talking about tocopherols, not necessarily the whole vitamin E uh, profile. And two, um, you, you're dealing with a, a um, formulation from a company that's made up from a load of food formulator people that are producing dry foods and looking at how to preserve their food and are happy that there is actually a way of artificially preserving their food by adding vitamin E um, as an additive uh, to their food. And, of course, they're quite happy with that the levels have to be reasonably high to maintain their food from going too rancid. Um, So I I would just, um, I would take a breath on that thought process that animals are not sufficient in vitamin E. I don't think think they're deficient. how How would those individual animals function if they were deficient yeah. in vitamin E. Yeah, no, I, 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 definitely, <laughs> I definitely don't think the meat is the problem. I definitely think that what mm. they believe needs to be in the mix is the problem. Because it's, you know, vampires yeah. garden the blood bags. It's what a dry food manufacturer says food is supposed to look like. What's that got to do with what The thing do, is, you know? ASCO are yeah. in cahoots with the big dry food manufacturers. They sit all sit around a table, and therefore the dry food manufacturers who know they have to use loads of vitamin E because the fats are going to go rancid because the bags are on the shelf for years and years, I bet they are pushing those up as much as possible in order to uh, justify the fact that their, their product has got loads of potentially unreliable tocopherols in it. Yeah. So and we know that's a problem. It's potentially a problem. So I think that for me, the thing is, let's feed real meat. Let's feed nuts, herbs, and seeds. You know, I go on about this NHS, nuts, herbs, and seeds. Yeah. I think it's really important to, to, to get as much of your nutrients from the food that you feed rather than from supplements. Um, but, uh yeah, there you go. Uh, I did have another thing, but when you were speaking, oh yeah, if it, I, I imagine if it was regeneratively uh, fed cattle and sheep and pigs, I would imagine they're going to have a higher vitamin E because all the nourishment coming into them is going to be, you know, as good as it can, it can possibly be. So, Connor, did you say that pasture-fed Meat has only got one milligram per kilo. Yeah, pasture-fed steak that was. That was in honor of you, Nicholas. <laughs> so I, I tried. That was a UK figure. Okay. One milligram of whatever per hundred grams compared to chicken, which no doubt is intensively reared. 
is nine to twelve. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. But the the other thing um, is that, and I've completely forgotten what I was going to say. <laughs> so, so coming into that moment, because um, we we talked about this, Connor, when you were talking about the berry that if it's really challenged has a much higher level of antioxidants to help yeah. itself out. So I'm just wondering, I don't, I'm not quite sure it's the necessarily the nutrient value that you're mm-hmm. talking about, Nick, as the ease of for those, those animals that are out on pasture, as much as there are ways that that body is adapting to the challenge and making sure it's got enough vitamin yeah. E on board to cope with all of the other herbage that's maybe coming yeah. through. You know, just to, to stick another alternate thought. No, in I think there it's a great thought because you know um, be our, our animals, uh, cattle and sheep, for example, are, we know that they have uh, a nutri- nutrition wisdom. Yeah, Fred Provenza talks about this. They will pick, but if you're picking a certain plant because it's got a lot of um, polyphenols in it, it's also going to have other elements in it which may have a toxic load. So I completely agree, Brent. That yeah. that that it may not be from the grass itself, but may well be because they are defending themselves from oxidizing principles which are within those herbs that they're getting. They're going to be being if they're pasture raised as opposed to grass fed. Big difference, yeah. Pastures, many many different uh, herbs and grasses. Whole, yeah. And, and and at the end of the day, mm. the end of the day, it's actually you know we're back to herbivores. Truly, aren't herbivores? They're bacteriovores. Yeah. They are the bacteria yeah. are producing yeah. their nutrients, you know, and those bacteria are feasting on what those animals yeah. are taking on board. You know, I think this is a big illusion that you know we have a lot of plant based people believing that the plant based food is what's feeding the animal. No, actually, you know, for those those herbivores out there but actually it's not the the herbivores are taking on board you know ferment material for their bacteria and it's the bacteria that are producing all of those wonderful nutrients that build their strength that build their immune system and you've got to have the ability to ferment that material and that's great if you're a cow with four chambers to do that uh it's great if you're a a horse with a huge cecum to do that it's a great if you're a rabbit with a huge cecum to do that if you're a human yeah there's you know the large bowel can do it to some degree okay but if you're a dog or a cat there just isn't that chamber that can have time to produce that level of nutrient from that so we're going off on another track because that's back to plant-based and the weakness of but um i would then come back to yeah, the challenge to those bacteria from being out there as to how they can produce more vitamins and improve all of that uh, that coming through to the, the end. Yeah, animal. dogs, I suppose, are, are whole prey eaters as well. And so they're eating, they're eating the, uh, the good contents and the, the intestines of the smaller, smaller animals. And so uh, there surely is a lot. With the, I don't know if bacteria produce vitamin E, though, do they? It's all of the volatile fats and stuff. So where else are those herbivores going to get? They don't go out oil yeah, eating. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I saw I found a report there from 2020. Ireland did a report on uh, the difference between grass-fed and barley finished. Uh-huh. And uh, there's a nutrient concentrate that they put into cattle. Well, I don't know what it yeah. is. But there was three different types of cattle. And at the end of it, 
um, compared to uh, concentrate-fed beef and the other type, grass-fed beef had a highest concentration of all of, of everything. Sodium, magnesium, um, calcium, manganese, iron, copper, zinc, selenium, vitamin E, cholesterol. Grass-fed. So uh, grass-fed came out on top by a long way. Uh, there's, there's a big study on grass-fed. I mean, no, none of this is surprising now. Uh, there's a big study on the antioxidant co- uh, content of grass-fed beef versus grain-fed beef mm-hmm. in the U.S., mm-hmm. Grass-fed beef just dominates on every mm. single thing you can mm. think about. Unfortunately, pal- palatability can struggle sometimes because everybody is getting used to the marbly, fatty kind of meat that is animals fed this these ridiculous like you know grain diets, and mm. so you kind of get used to that. That's tasty, but you know that's a different conversation. Could, could I also then say, you know, you're asking which bacteria produce vitamin Do E? They? So uh, basically, yeah, there are um, a couple out there, uh, including E. coli, which actually can produce 15 micrograms per gram of uh, gamma uh, tocotrienol. Oh, and dogs don't mind housing a bit of that. Outdoor reared cats, a little bit of E. coli, suddenly it changes how much vitamin E. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. So there's Sinecus cystus and uh, what's going to be the A. thaliana uh, that um, also will produce uh, those tocotrienols. Wow, that's interesting. Amazing. People hear people hear E. coli and they panic, but it's not like all of them are, yeah. are Every, you know, everything's nasty, nasty. Yeah. No, no, it's only the toxin-releasing ones which are issues. Yeah, 700 different types of E. coli, only a handful. Um, only a tiny handful are actually ones you don't want yeah. and they're all coming from intensive reared cattle same as the salmonellids there's over 2,000 different yeah. types of salmonella and again only about a dozen are, are potentially toxic yeah. so it's and they get they get that's mad it's complex isn't it so I think that you will go through each of, each of those nutrients let's talk about the ones which are the amine groups okay the vitamin groups um, uh, and you will find that bacteria will build either the building blocks for them or the actual product for those herbivores to actually use. Very interesting. It is. Guys, how are we doing for time? Because we could talk about this stuff well, all day. I have, a, I have a child to pick up now down in um, Preshi Poo, so I'm not sure I'm going to make a bit on the side. No, should we should do a bit on the side we, or should we, we do, do that. something we else? We can do that. We'll, we'll do that. We'll yeah. just put we 10 minutes on. Yeah, no problem. Lovely. So... Um, so Thanks, guys, for listening. Uh, If you want to listen to a little bit more, um, then please do follow us over on patreon.com forward slash rawpetmedics and uh, join us over there. Uh, We'll be talking a little bit about maybe some of the supplements um, that are actually out there, what we would choose, um, a little bit more about other thoughts. Hope you've enjoyed this episode and you've had a good chat alongside us whilst we've been talking to ourselves. Cheers all. See ya. See you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>